0: Section 18 of David and His Friends. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. David and His Friends. A Series of Revival Sermons by Louis Albert Banks. Lighting Our Candles at Heaven's Torch. For thou wilt light my candle, the Lord my God will enlighten my darkness. Psalm 18, verse 28. That which makes a candle what it is, is its adaptation to receive light, and by burning itself to transmit that light. God is the great light of this universe, and we know not of how many universes besides. God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. That is the one great central fact which keeps mankind from despair. The assurance that at its heart, the universe is not dark, but bright. It is bright with wisdom, bright with power, and bright with love. It is man's supreme glory that he has this kinship with God. However dark his nature may have become through sin, it is of such a kind that it can be lighted from heaven's torch. There has never yet been discovered any man or any tribe of men who did not have this power or capacity to receive divine illumination. This is sure evidence that God has made of one blood all that dwell on the face of the earth, and however marred or hurt or darkened by sin the souls of some may be there is yet that in their nature which may be lighted up by the spirit of god and show forth their brotherhood to jesus christ there was preaching in this country last year a very remarkable man known as Tamil david from ceylon india he has a very interesting story he was born in south india in eighteen fifty three his father was a mission agent his mother was a schoolmistress who when she was young had worshipped idols all his ancestors had been idol worshippers his father died when he was only two years old and he was brought up by his mother till he was sixteen he was a very self-willed bad boy and at sixteen ran away from india and drifted to Salon. There this little black way fell in with the very worst of people and became an adept in every evil way. He drank and gambled and ran riots. He became a bartender and was a liquor seller for several years. He hardened his heart against everything he had known in his youth. For years, he would not answer his mother's letters. But finally, his mother with the wonderful tenacity of a mother's love got track of him and went to ceylon in search of him and persuaded him to go back to south india with her after a while he was married his wife had been converted to christianity a little while before she was a good woman and his love for her led him to salvation one day she gave him bunyan's pilgrim's progress and it got hold of his heart his wife kept praying for him and conviction seized upon his soul one day he was walking along the street in colombo when suddenly his conscience spoke to him so sharply that it was almost as clear as if he had heard a voice david david you are wrong He tried to silence the impression and forget it, but the conviction that he was wrong grew deeper and deeper. He said to himself, I am not wrong, but all the while he knew better, and it did not lift the burden from his heart. He went home and told his wife and said, I am very, very sorry. My heart is breaking. What a wretched and miserable sinner I am. She said, praise the Lord. He said, I tell you I am very miserable, and you say, praise the Lord? What makes you say that? She replied, I know it is all right now. My Lord has answered my prayer. David did not understand her, but said, what am I to do now? Tell me how I may get clear of this burden, this heavy load on my conscience. I can hardly breathe. I can't eat. I can't sleep. Please tell me the way. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. I know that, but what is it to believe? She did not know how to explain. She had the blessed experience, but she did not know how to interpret it. David said, is that all your creed? you don't know how to lead a poor sinner to christ she was very sorry and cried because she could not help him he found some tracks and in one of them he saw a verse of scripture which came home to his heart it was from paul's letter to the romans but to him that worketh not but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly his faith is counted for righteousness The man who believes finds salvation. That was the message it brought to him. Then he got another verse from Isaiah. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. The word hath caught his eye. Hath. Hath. The Lord put this on his heart. David, on whom did the Lord lay iniquity? On Jesus. Whose iniquity? The iniquity of us all. Are you one of that all? Yes, I am one of that all. If you are, where are your sins? On Jesus. Who put them there? God put them there. Whose sins? David's sins. On whom? On Jesus. As soon as he saw that his sins could not be on him and on Jesus at the same time, the thought came to him. If my hat is on the peg, it cannot be on my head at the same time. That made it clear at once, and he said, Praise the Lord! God says it, I believe it, I have it. He went and told his wife. He said, I have got the truth, I have got him. Then his mother was converted, and afterwards his brother and others of the family were saved. Everybody that lived in the house was converted, and they began to sing and pray and shout so much that the heathen man who lived next door said, Go and live somewhere else. We can't stand your shouting. But David was past making angry then. He said gently but rapturously, We may quit the house, but we can't give up praising the Lord. And what God did for Tamil David, he is ready and willing to do for you. Now, there is one thing to which I specially desire to call your attention, and that is that the candle, in order to receive the light from the match, or the taper, or the torch, must yield itself to the light. There is no way to shine except by burning ourselves. Though we were created as the candles of the Lord, we have the power to refuse to give our hearts up to be lighted by heaven's fire. Indeed, we may, if we are foolish and wicked enough to do it, lend our hearts to be lighted by the devil's fire, and give forth a baleful flame that will make the darkness deeper, not only for ourselves, but for everyone who was influenced by us. It is a solemn and awful reality that we have the power even to thwart Almighty God in his efforts for our salvation. God will not forcibly take our candle and light it at the heavenly fire. We must yield it to his hands through our own decision. I once heard Mr. Moody relate that, at the close of a meeting one evening in Chicago, he inquired, Are there any here who would like to have me remember them in prayer? I would like to have them rise. A man arose and when he saw him stand up, Mr. Moody said his heart leaped in him for joy. He had been anxious for this man for a long time. He went to him as soon as the meeting was over and took him by the hand and said, You are coming out for God, are you not? I want to, he replied, and I have made up my mind to be a Christian. Only there is one thing stands in my way. What is that? Well, I lack moral courage. Naming a friend of his, he said, If he had been here tonight, I should not have risen. And I am afraid when he hears I have risen for prayer, he will begin to laugh at me, and I won't have the moral courage to stand up for Christ. Moody said, If Christ is what he is represented in the Bible, he is worth standing up for. And if heaven is what we are told it is in the Bible, It is worth our living for, he said, I lack moral courage, and the man was trembling from head to foot. Moody thought that he was just at the threshold of the kingdom of heaven, and that one step more was going to take him in, and that he would take the step that night. He talked and prayed with him, and the spirit seemed to be striving mightily with him but he did not yield his candle to receive God's light. Night after night he came to the meetings, and the spirit still strove with him, but just that one thing kept him back. He lacked moral courage. At last the spirit of God, who had striven with him so mightily, seemed to leave him, and there was no more striving. He left off coming to the church, was off among his old companions, and would not meet Moody in the street. He was ashamed to do so. About six months afterward, Mr. Moody got a message from him and found him on what he thought to be his dying bed. He wanted to know if there was any hope for him at the eleventh hour. Moody tried to tell him there was hope for any man who would accept Christ. He prayed with him, and day after day he visited him. Contrary to all expectations, he began to recover, and when he was convalescent, finding him one day sitting in front of his house, he sat down by him and said, You will soon be well enough to come up to the church, and when you are, you will come up, and you are just going to confess Christ boldly, are you not? Well, said he, I promised God when I was on what we thought to be my dying bed, I would serve him, and I made up my mind to be a Christian, but I am not going to be one just now. Next spring, I am going over to Lake Michigan, and I am going to buy a farm and settle down, and then I am going to be a Christian. Moody said, how dare you talk in that way? How do you know you are going to live till next spring? Have you a lease of your life? He said, I was never better than I am now. I am a little weak, but I will soon have my strength. I have a fresh lease of my life and will be well for a good many years yet. Woody said, it seems to me you are tempting God. And he pleaded with him to come out boldly. No, he said. The fact is, I have not the courage to face my old companions and I cannot serve God in Chicago. The evangelist said, if God has not grace enough to keep you in Chicago, he has not grace enough to keep you in Michigan. With all the energy of his soul, he urged him then and there to surrender himself completely to the Lord Jesus. But the more he urged the more irritated the man got, till at last he said, Well, you need not trouble yourself any more about my soul. I will attend to that. If I am lost, it will be my own fault. I will take the risk. Moody left him. Within a week, a message came from the man's wife. Going to the house, he met her at the door, weeping. He said, What is the trouble? Oh, sir! I have just had a council of physicians here, and they have all given my husband up to die. They say he cannot live. Moody asked, does he want to see me? She replied, no. Why did you send? Why, she said, I cannot bear to see him die in this terrible state of mind. What is his state of mind? Why, he says that his damnation is sealed. AND HE WILL BE IN HELL IN A LITTLE WHILE. MR. MOODY WENT INTO THE ROOM, BUT WHEN THE SICK MAN SAW WHO IT WAS, HE TURNED HIS HEAD AWAY. MOODY GENTLY inquired, HOW IS IT WITH YOU? NOT A WORD. HE WAS AS SILENT AS DEATH. HE SPOKE THE SECOND TIME, BUT THE SICK MAN MADE NO RESPONSE. Odi bent over him, and looked him in the face, and called him by name, and said, Will you not tell me how it is with you? He turned, and fixed an awful deathly look upon him, and pointing to the stove, he said, My heart is as hard as the iron in that stove. It is too late. My damnation is sealed, and I shall be in hell in a little while moody said don't talk so you can be saved now if you will he replied don't mock me i know better mr moody talked with him and quoted promise after promise from god's word but he said not one was for him said he christ has come knocking at the door of my heart many a time and the last time he came i promised to let him in And when I got well, I turned away from him again, and now I will have to perish without him. When Moody saw he could do no good talking, he fell on his knees by the bed. The sick man said, You can pray for my wife and children. You need not pray for me. It is a waste of your time. It is too late. Moody tried to pray, but it seemed as if what the man said was true. It seemed as if the heavens were brass over him. He rose at last and took the man's hand, and it seemed to him that he was bidding farewell to a friend that he never was to see again, in time or in eternity. He lingered till the sun went down, and with the day his life went out in darkness. The wife told Mr. Moody that the end was terrible, All that he was heard to say after the evangelist left him were these fearful words, The harvest is past, the summer is ended, and I am not saved. There he lay, and every little while he would take up again the awful lamentation. The harvest is past, the summer is ended, and I am not saved. And just as the sun was sinking behind those western prairies, he was going into the arms of death. As he was expiring, his wife noticed that his lips were quivering. He was trying to say something, and she bent her ear down to catch the last whispered words, and all she could hear was The harvest is past, the summer is ended, and I am not saved. He died with those words on his lips. God save anyone here from making that awful mistake. This man might have had the light of God, but he would not yield himself to be the candle of the Lord. The same precious opportunity comes to you tonight. How are you going to deal with your opportunity? End of section 18